0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the SWW show. I'm Mike, and here with me today, I have a good chunk of the team over at, oh, I should have got this for it, Tunicon Studios? Is that how you pronounce it? Tunicon. Tunicon. <laughs> <As in> <sighs> <laughs> Think half fish, half unicorn. I, I First off, name I should have pronounced. Never would have got there would you said, think half fish, half unicorn. <laughs> it might be your logo. Never would have got there in a million years. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, so I have with me... Um, so just so, I have this, so everyone has this word, I have James, who is the technical director and programmer. Natalia, yeah. you said, is art director. And Georgia, who is... Did you say designer and pro- so producer your title? Producer, yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Designer and producer, yeah. Perfect. So if you guys want to start then, so uh, who are you guys? Where are you guys from? Because some people might notice a little of an accent based on my usual audience. Who <laughs> <laughs> are you? <laughs> yes, me. James, um, you want to start yeah,
1: off? Yeah, okay. So um, we're at TunaCon Studios, or, or at least half the team. Um, <laughs> we do actually have three more artists. We have uh, Brendan... Uh, Anthony and Nathan. Uh, Brendan is actually here, but he's currently modeling. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other two aren't here right now. Um, so we're a Australian based uh, game development studio uh, working in VR primarily at the moment. Um, later we'll branch out into other platforms, but.
2: Yeah. <laughs> From Sydney, Australia.
0: Yeah. So in my head, there are two media things you say Australia, which is extremely deadly. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not that big of a game scene in Australia. Are both statements accurate?
1: Yeah, so th- th- there is a game scene here in Australia, mainly in Melbourne, okay. and it's mainly
3: indie studios as well. We don't have many big ones because the government isn't super supportive of the industry down here.
1: Interesting. Okay. Um however, that being said, we do have um uh we got uh, I don't know if you've heard of Wargaming. Yeah. Um yeah, they yeah, make yeah. World of tanks. We, there, there's a um, a branch of their company is actually just up the road from us. Mm. Um, and then we've got, uh, we used to have Half Brick, which made Jetpack Joyride and Fruit Ninja. I uh, don't know mm. if they're still around. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah. But it's,
2: that's one of the things, like, uh, because there's not a lot of, I guess, financial support from grants or, like, you know, small businesses mm. or something, then we all kind of have to band together and, like, grassroots support mm-hmm. our own projects so even though the scene is very small it's very tight knit
0: See, um, you understand I come from the United States where there is no government support of this stuff, so like, even though we have a bigger studio, I at least understand the part of it, you're like well, where does the money come from? Because it's not like Canadian friends or, the, or British friends where they're like, you just ask the government and they give you money, all of us just stare at them like, what are you saying to me? <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, the the, yeah, the it's, difference it's in the state like is the taxes though yeah, so they're the tax taxed differently. Too. Yeah, so it's it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: so, we used to have two um, K Australia,
3: didn't we? Uh, did yeah, but
0: they closed down recently. Oh, it's good. okay. So they did close. I was gonna be like, yeah. I thought that was recent recently.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, we have um we have like a small grant system that like, uh down in Victoria that has Melbourne as its capital city. That's where most of the games support. Is like, yeah, yeah. We like they have a grant system down there called uh Screen Victorious, that's where they give um they give a bit of financial support to film studios and like smaller um, I guess like advertisement developers, yeah, kind of, but there's not much specifically for games, so there's a little bit, but you gotta you know really be something specific, Mm. you know, under the entertainment umbrella.
1: Mm. The and the other thing is um. Because the, there's that, that slight bit of support down in Melbourne. Um, we, every year, Melbourne hosts a thing called Melbourne International Games Week, uh, which has um, GCAP, which is Games Connect Asia-Pacific, which is like a huge game developers conference. It's
3: like the GDC of
0: the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then it also has uh, PAX Australia as well mm. in that same week. Mm.
0: Interesting. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to ask the first natural question then. So if there's like no game scene and studios in like Australia, relatively speaking, why did you In guys terms
1: think- of- go on? Oh, sorry. Uh, in terms of uh, AAA studios? Yeah. There's not really any big ones. No.
0: So you know, an actual question. is: So why did you guys decide to be like, we're going to try to do it?
1: Um, okay. So that's a bit of an interesting question. So the, um, we're actually, our office is hosted from the college that we all went to. Mm-hmm. Um, so our particular college is called the, uh, the Academy of Inter- Interactive Entertainment, or AIE for short. And um, they have a an incubator program.
3: To help set up small studios uh, and um, sort of get more of an industry happening. So they, g- they give us funds as well. So we had a little bit of help setting up with okay. that
0: as well. So is that yeah. kind of like yeah. your studio is kind of like somewhere on campus or funded then is how that works?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So um, the uh, – our studio, our office is hosted within one of the rooms of the, of the old campus, so the new mm. uh, new campus that we're moving over there next year. But um, the, it's not just us in here. There's um, like three or four other um, studios. Mm. They're all much smaller than what we are, though. Mm.
2: Okay. Yeah. The way this program works is you finish your two years doing either programming, art, or design, and then you can opt in to do a third year, which is like business management and how the industry works. And that's when you actually find a team of people that you want to work with and you try and make a project within a set amount of time.
0: Hmm. So so actually, this is going to be interesting because I actually recently graduated from a, uh, it's a Chicago-based in the United States, but it still was a game design program. So I'm ca- I'm, I'm kind of curious now. So, you, so in this kind of thing, where your guys' disciplines kind of fell and like, did you have like, like, we have, like, where I went to, we had, like, design, programming, and art, but, like, in the United States, it tends to be, like, everything's art or programming the majority of places, and they just kind of chuck design in there. Be like, it's just design. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Georgia right now is,
1: uh, is, is looking, uh, is feeling the effect of what you just said. Yeah, <laughs> it's
3: very much
1: the same over here as well.
3: Yeah, AI is one of the only ones where design is its specific thing, uh, in its own, its own stream, and that's because uh, all the courses are made with industry in mind, and in industry, uh, like globally, internationally, um, design is its own thing. Right. Um, generally, people in programming and art don't do the design, so um. Because, because it's a lot of work in and of itself. <laughs> mm. um, so, yeah, they have a third stream for design, um, okay. which sort of lends itself more towards producing as well. A lot of small studios tend to have the designer be the producer as well, which is also the case with
0: us. Yeah. Which, which yeah, just- from my side, being like my degree was design too, and I'm like, see, mm. the, issue with, the issue with giving the designer the, the producing thing, I always argue, is, especially when us designers get in our headspace too much, we're just as bad as any artist or programmer, like being tunnel visioned.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. They, they put a lot of emphasis on um, um, communication as well and um, scope. Um, I, that's something I've gotten a lot better at in the last three years. Um, but just constantly keeping track of where things are and making sure you don't fall into that pit trap because it is very easy to get ahead of yourself and make something that is not, possible like, oh we'll add this and
2: yeah we'll add this and it's like whoa whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 hold up you kind of need someone to like yeah. cut everyone off i
3: am i am the no person of this group <laughs> it's
1: also um the, the design role from australia's perspective is also kind of the communicator between the artists and the programmers mm-hmm. because as you can as you can probably testify uh, programmers don't really can't really say much about the artists and the artists can't really say much about the programmers about what we do yeah um, so so
3: they, yeah. they teach us a little bit of both so that we have enough to communicate and understand what both are saying yeah,
0: And yeah, I, I always agree on that I always say that the best designers know design amazingly can communicate amazing and then know, like, 10% of art and 20% of programming, or vice versa, but, like, they mm. they kind of can at least talk to each of them, and they might know one a hair more than the other, but they should at least be able to look at one and go, oh, I understand what you mean by when you say Maya, or when you say, yeah. this vertices <laughs> deleted, or a programmer yeah, might I go, mean, yeah. what?
1: Oh, <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably better than a lot of programmers. I understand a little bit of uh, when it comes to art, because I've done a little bit of modeling on the side, but... Um, and then Natalia's on um, very, very small bits of programming.
2: Yeah, only, only for small things. But like, you know, I know what a semicolon does. I know what the squiggly brackets do. <laughs> that's about it.
0: See, now I don't believe her when she says that, and that's what's concerning. When you have to go to people, <laughs> like, I know what that does. <laughs> that's that's very interesting. Then, so, so I think I think that's a good jumping point for us. Then, so obviously, you guys are working on a game. Hopefully. So yes. the game we're talk about <laughs> is Escape Architect VR. Would one of you like to just come do what is your elevator pitch the game and we'll go in for do it from there?
1: Mm. Uh, that, okay. <laughs> um, that's probably Natalia's. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah well, yeah,
0: the,
2: I'll uh, I'll do it as I memorized it from uh, <laughs> our our mentor, right? So Escape Architect VR is a multi-themed uh, escape room game in which you have the ability to also create your own escape rooms on the down low. (laughs) Um, So pretty much you play through like a campaign mode at first in which we're planning on having four rooms. That'll be the end product. And you'll play through all four of the rooms and you'll have to then get to the end and you can start to make your own using the assets that we've made as well.
0: Okay. So so Mm. immediately I find that very interesting And I also find it very... I feel like we're in this era... Because VR is still, like, this early era where everyone's trying to be like, what is it? And I feel like, to me, escape rooms are always, like, the obvious answer in the sense of what can be really done better in VR than in real life. And then at the same time, I find them very interesting of, like, you can also do amazing stuff in them that you cannot do in real life. Mm.
1: Yeah, so... um, the way I look at it, one kind of key thing that we have over like physical escape rooms is the ability to reset so quickly. Mm. Um, we we for a bit of research, um, the team and I, uh, the team went and we did an escape room, and from what I could tell, it could take them like fifteen to twenty minutes to reset a room before the next people could go through. Mm. Um, but because if we're in a, uh, VR, like it's the click of a button, essentially. Mm. Um, and you're right in saying that it's kind of, it's one of the obvious kind of things that um, VR could be used for. Um, in fact, if you look at Steam, there's, there's quite a few escape rooms out there. Um, generally, most of them is just like single themed. Mm. Um, I think there's maybe one or two that's got more than one theme, but they're still really new as well.
3: Yeah, ours is different in that we're the only one that's going to be at full release offering an editor, so you can make your own as well.
0: See, and that that is instantly what intrigued me about it too. Is so you're giving at some point the players an editor to go make their own escape rooms. And one of the first questions I have that is like from either a technical end, probably would end up is like the limitations of handing that to the player where they don't break it.
1: Oh, that's a question for me. (laughs) Um It's it's gone through a lot of um kind of loops and refinement loops, this editor. Um it's not actually available to the public yet. Um
3: it's still in early access. It's still in early
1: access, so the the editor in there is not quite finished. But um yeah, there there is definitely gonna be limitations. Um we're trying to keep it simple yet complex. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, in terms of like editors, we're, we've s- kind of scoured the market, and there's really only one kind of major competitor when it comes to VR editors. And I found that game to be quite difficult to use
2: and confusing to look at. <laughs> <laughs> which game yeah. yeah. would this be? Uh,
1: Modbox. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it. It's. I can see the the applications of it. It could be quite powerful. However, it took me two hours to work out how to move around. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they've got they've got a menu in there that's just video tutorials on how to use their editor. So
2: yeah,
1: that's um, kind of the only other VR editor we could find on the market.
2: Yeah. So when thinking about designing the editor in mind, I suppose we had to try and keep. In our minds that hey we want this to be accessible to a lot of people and not overly complicated but still be able to do everything that building an escape room needs because you know it's we kind of thought of like a mario maker-esque level kind of thing but i guess not as complicated
0: <laughs> as that right and one of the things with like mario maker for example i think we all agree which would make it that easier in the yeah. sense is they have one less dimension that you have to worry about
2: Yes <laughs> um,
1: The third dimension is definitely uh definitely a little bit tricky, especially like if you look at ga- if you at games like Gary's mod, Gary's mod's a, a perfect example of in-game editors in 3D. Like it's it's complicated to use, but once you understand it, it's quite intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um but it's still really, really kind of finicky. Um then you got to take that and try and put it in VR, which is, again, <laughs> <Infinitely> another, <hollow. laughs> another challenge in itself because you got to have it taken into consideration that you can't have any 2D menus. All of them are going to be in 3D. Uh, how are people going to interact with things? Uh, how are they going to modify things inside the inside the room? And without giving too much away, I believe we've come up with a really, really clever way to do that that's quite simple okay
0: okay
2: yeah it's gone through quite a few iterations and changes over the over the past while <laughs> that, <laughs> that we've been looking at it but uh definitely it's a lot in more intuitive than something because you know in gary's mod mm. or mario maker you know you have your mouse and keyboard you can just hover over the thing that you want and then do a click right but then we had to kind of giga brain it and think about okay how are we going to do this in vr <laughs> So at any point, did you guys
0: try to cheat it in the sense of give them a 2D editor that then goes into VR? Or were you, from the beginning, you're like, this has to be in VR, they do the editing too?
1: We, we we've from the get-go, decided it had to be in VR. Yeah. Um, partially because one thing we want from this is um, to make it accessible for um, people who have very limited kind of funds and, and want to set up their own escape room. Um. It's in Sydney's particularly, the escape room kind of scene is really, really popular at the moment. Mm. Mm. And um, when we went down to Pax Australia the past couple of years and we shown it off, um, people like we've kind of got approached by people who design escape rooms and every time they said, Look, your editor would be perfect for prototyping because mm. think of it this way, it's gonna be it's really expensive to create. A prototype of an escape room because you need the space, you need the, um, you need to kind of work out what you're going to do. The you equipment. Need the, you need the equipment. Then you need to kind of almost every escape room has some sort of script to it, mm. and then you have to hire people to play test it,
2: make sure your puzzles are designed well and <laughs> <that> they're
1: fun. <laughs> well, fun, and fun, fun. More. That's a problem. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah fun. Very <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: subjective
1: work. <laughs> so th- there's a lot of factors when it comes to making a physical escape room. It's, So if we could – we kind of saw that and went, okay, if we had this editor, then people could prototype their rooms really, really quickly Mm. and relatively cheaply.
0: Yeah, 10 bucks is relatively cheap comparatively. (laughs) Yeah, right?
2: (laughs) I I feel like it would give a lot of room to, like – I suppose people who are keen on designing, like, maybe an escape room themselves or designing just games in general, because, you know, like, the Happy Wheels had an editor, Gary's Mod had editors, things like that. Trials
1: Fusion um, mm. and Trials Rising, the trial series, they have editors. And from what I, again, just from browsing YouTube, I don't think many people play the actual... Um, campaign of those games, really. They they kind of just play the custom levels. Yeah, it'd
2: be really nice to get more people excited about, I guess, VR and where it's, like, its trajectory going Mm. into the future and just designing games in general because, you know, it's a super interactive medium art form, right? Mm. And it'd be nice if we got more people involved.
1: And if you look look ahead, the the possibilities for VR really are kind of endless. Like, think once we get the tracking to a really, really good state where it's like pinpoint accuracy and we've got full finger movement, it trains surgeons in it, mm. right? Like that, they, they're they already training pilots in VR mm-hmm. because that's just cheaper than like getting a simulation thing. He's going to get a Oculus <laughs> or a Vive and then just create the simulators. Like, I, and, and apparently, KFC also does their training in VR. So. Yeah, I saw that recently yeah, saw that. too, and I
0: have many questions about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm very skeptical, to be honest. It's hilarious.
0: <laughs> so, just to clarify, you still do have KFC in Australia.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's okay, vastly okay. different to the one in the States, though, I will admit. Okay, you guys
0: don't have burgers and stuff. We wait, wait, do. We don't. We're, it's KFC. Where does chicken and burgers connect? Hello? Dude. Is that a very Australian thing having I, Apparently.
2: So, like, just grab the grilled chicken and you put it on the burger and it's just the crunch. It's brilliant. That's friend. not a
0: burger, though. That's a chicken sandwich. No no, <laughs> no, 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 You don't understand. You have the
3: burger buns and everything else except the meat patty is the, the same. Patty is the patty is the burger.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. But anyway.
0: <laughs> so, so, actually, I... Jumping back to them, so I was curious, as you were talking about, like, the idea of the editor in this, too. So, when you guys are designing this, do you guys think of it as you're making a game with an editor, or you're making an editor with, like, a game to show what it can do?
1: So, the the original plan... We didn't stick with this plan. The original plan was to build the editor first, and then try and build our levels with the editor. Um... Obviously, for performance reasons, we realized that it's probably slightly better we can get more stuff out of it if we just build it in a game engine and then tack the editor onto it. However, the editor is still a very big part. Like, being the only programmer in the team, I can tell you that almost every component of the game has some reference to the editor in some way. Yeah,
2: like, we needed to design all the levels in a way that you could make them in the editor, just because creating an editor first would take, like... Insurmountable amounts of time that we didn't really have because, you know, we wanted to show off our ideas. So we decided, like, hey, we'll just make the levels, but we'll make them within the confines of the editor's tools.
3: Mm, Because um, the editor is primarily James's job, and I would have left the artists not a lot to do in the meantime. Um, And it's such a large chunk of work that it was better to have the artists working on levels. And James tinkering away in the editor on the background over the past couple of years. Yeah.
0: Okay. That that makes, a lot, that makes sense, a lot of sense. Cause I was 'cause that's just a very interesting like it feels semantics, but when you talk to people it's really not. Like it fundamentally changes even like from a design point of view, like what's important or what comes first to it. So yeah. so I'm gonna now put probably Natalia more on track here, because I realize we haven't talked a ton about, like, art style and art stuff in this. (laughs) (laughs) So I was kind of curious, like, I feel like the term I see when I look at this game is, in my head at least, the term I think is, like, simplistic (laughs) 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 sci-fi. And that's not in this world, but it's just very much, like, it feels like you could tell, like, there's there's this, like, roots I think of, like, Tacoma or a bunch of other things that have these, like, kind of, like, sci-fi in the sense of, like, what do you when you think of sci-fi of, like, the blues and the whites, and like the lights that are around, and like there's certain things about it. So, I was curious in something like this, where would you come up with that style? And were there other ones you tinkered, but why did you come up with this as like the best one?
2: Mm, okay, well, I, you know, when we were thinking about what game we were wanting to make, and we were kind of looking through the market, we noticed that a lot of the escape rooms tried really hard to be. Uh, real life like they tried to simulate real life so much so I thought well we can go the other way and kind of lean towards more uh overwatch section like do you play a lot of overwatch
0: no I have my problems with it but like I know what it looks like (laughs) and I have that kind of idea yeah yeah Yeah.
2: there's this well um, for the lost traveler level anyway there's this one particular level in overwatch that I took a lot of inspiration from when designing I guess the modeling structure. Like there should be no real sharp corners in any of our models to make it real enough from the models, but like soft enough that it could also be fun and not just kind of dull to look at. Like I'm not one that kind of really enjoys the quote unquote realistic style of texturing. But, you know, I really think that we've come together with a great style that's simple enough to make, but also appealing to the eye.
3: Okay. I think emotive is probably the correct word for emotive, style.
0: Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like you, you wanted something that obviously part of it with any art style is amount of time it takes related to the results. And I think it looks very <laughs> cool and I think, and to me, I think one of the critiques I have just in general of just uh, escape rooms as a whole is I feel like half time they go like, can we be Indiana Jones or could be fantasy? And like those yeah. are your two options always.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I kind of thought, well, hey, we could do something different. I mean, seeing as I'm like the primary texture of the team as well, like, you know, I need to look at all the models and find out what's the best pipeline for me to get out as many textures as I can while also making it look as uh, like look good. So I thought, you know, doing real time and like realistic textures will take too long and too much tinkering, doing hand painted textures, which I actually enjoy, would also take very, very too long. But so we decided to go with a pipeline that's um, using Substance Painter's procedurally generated um, content, but we're kind of toning it down in a way that keeps it simple enough that it doesn't like distract the player while they're in the escape room.
0: Okay. Okay. No, and that's a very interesting way, I think, to do it. Because even, like, when I've talked about, like, when I've worked with, like, on projects and we have artists and I go, okay, we have two artists in, like, in a couple of months. And you have to look at the artists and go, what, what style can we not do is always, like, the first question.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that makes sense. Because it all depends on your time constraint as well. Like, you know, you have to look at the scope of the project and go, okay, where do we want to be in six months? where do we want to be at prototyping stage? Like, where do you want to be here and here? And then kind of figure out your trajectory from there and how you're going to get to that point using the
1: skills that you have.
3: And it's always going to take longer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So Something we've so. learned a lot is uh, start and then add half.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do is you, you take your scope. You go, this is where I want the project well, to be. Hand it to someone else and go, okay, now give me like two of the 10 bullet points I gave you back to me. And you, and you <laughs> let someone else decide what's the most important, because exactly. you, you, every time you are like, but this is really important, but this one's the most. No, no, but this one's also. And <laughs> yeah. so it's gross.
2: 100%. Yeah, like we, we're using or trying to use Agile, the uh, design system as much as possible, where, you know, we kind of ask each person in the team, hey, how long do you think it will take you to do this personally? And then we just add on some extra time on top of that to take care of things like sick days or if someone mm. can't come in that day or, you know, health problems, things like that. Or
3: you run into a problem or you have to completely redo it Yeah, people don't <laughs> like it. Or or
1: if you may, you're not
0: happy with the code, <laughs> you start again. You don't understand. <laughs> you're you don't an understand. indie studio. You don't get days off. You're supposed oh. to work 12 hours a day and then eventually your game just comes out.
3: Oh, Uh, yeah, Lord. We've tried that and it does not end well. No, yeah, that's like the
2: biggest lie that everyone tells themselves. Like, you can work as hard as you can on the day. Like, I think I was doing around PAX last year for like three weeks leading up to the event. I was pulling like like 10 to 12 hour days in the office. I, I live about an hour outside of the city. So that's like an hour and a half commute, if you count, walking from the station, just texturing my butt off trying to get this thing out like crunch is not where you want to be but unfortunately because you're a cool and good indie studio and you love what you do and- yeah and like you really enjoy what you do and you you enjoy and you want the game to be as good quality as possible like you just want to get it out so you end up like you really got to Test for burnout and kind of take time to uh, combat that as well.
3: Yeah, we've all had to take a step back this year because we burn ourselves out so much last year. Mm. So uh,
1: Georgia and I went away for six weeks. We went.
0: Yeah, yeah, burnout. That's a burnout. thing that people really are like, cool. you'll just, you'll just make it, You make it to the end of the project. Like, you're like, I can't. Like, it's just not happening. Yeah,
2: yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Especially
0: like, with a project this big.
2: Yeah, yeah, and like we, we don't have oodles of money being thrown at us like triple a studios do like you know we don't pay ourselves currently like this is a 110% a passion project and unfortunately when you run off only passion it gets to a certain point where you're just like man mm. i want to sleep for 12 <laughs> hours like <laughs> give g- give me a sec to t- to catch my breath mm. nice
0: well i'd like to thank you guys for this fun talk i feel like on escape arctic vr the design around it even just like the idea of like some di- concept about making games I feel like people don't talk about enough uh, as I mm. close this out I was curious if any, you want to do any final word on this game where you can find it all of that good stuff
1: sweet um, yeah so you can find it on Steam uh, it's under Escape Architect VR um, you could find a link to it through our website tunicornstudios.com uh, Facebook we constantly have it linked we have it, uh, the website linked to the Twitter Instagram, Uh, we have a Discord channel, which is where this is being recorded from, that you can see almost everything in.
2: (laughs) And um, we should be having another update coming out this month, and then we should be having another level coming out at PAX.
3: At PAX or just after? Yeah, fingers crossed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And when is PAX? Is it PAX Australia? You said when is that? Yeah, Uh, in about a month. Yeah, so it's the
3: 11th to the 13th of October, so... That date or just after? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Because we want to build up as much hype as possible and like gain lots of interest and see if people can play the game at the moment and see see how they like it. Mm.
0: Nice. And I'll make nice. sure to have all that stuff linked below and our social media is tied to this episode. Again, I would like to thank all of you guys for joining me for this fun conversation. Remember, you guys can all find the show, uh, the SWW Show, on podcast choices of your choice at social media. We are. At Twitter at the SW show. I'm at Mikey underscore Maroni. And remember, you can find me and AJ at GDEX in Ohio this Columbus Day. Again, all of you guys, thank you for joining me. And have, I guess for you guys, have a great morning because it's now <laughs> it's night for me. So that's how time zones work.
1: Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: thank you so much for having us. We yeah. really appreciate
0: it. Yep. And uh, see you guys all next time. Awesome. Bye. Bye. This podcast was a product. The SWW Show. You can find more at the SWW or Facebook.com slash the SWW store or Twitter.com slash SWW. You can find out more about Mike at Mikey underscore Maroney on Twitter and more about AJ at Losey 4 on Twitter. Remember, new episodes come out twice a month one focusing on the new entertainment news and one focusing on movie club. So, a new and an old movie. You can find out more again at the swwshow.com. You can find the show on podcast services around the globe.